Hello, and welcome to Greater Faith. You're listening to part three of the Law of the Harvest series from Pastor Azzalini. We hope that today's message blesses and encourages you as you go through your day. studying it. I've enjoyed writing it. I feel like the Lord has just shown me so many things in his word. Uh, How many of you just love it when you find something in the word of God? Amen. And the word speaks to you. I love it. It's something that I pray. Uh, It's something that King David prayed. He asked the Lord to show him wondrous things in his book. And I pray that, and I pray that tonight the Lord would speak to you through his word. And we are going to continue in this Law of Harvest series, and I think tonight will be probably the conclusion of this series, I believe. Uh, I was surprised to go back into it again, but there was just so much there. And so I'm going to bring to you part three of the Law of Harvest tonight. And just doing a, a, a quick recap of the things that we've been talking about, we've been talking about sowing to the Spirit sowing to the spirit and the things that we need to invest spiritually in order for us to be spiritually productive or spiritually fruitful. So we talked about the things that the spirit wants. We talked about worship. The spirit wants worship, truth, purity. And then last week we spent a lot of time on relationship. The spirit wants relationship. Hallelujah. And we've been talking about sowing to the Spirit as opposed to sowing to the flesh. Uh, We spent some time talking about sowing, a lot of time talking about sowing, last two weeks. So tonight, I want to get on to the other side of the law of harvest, and we're going to spend some time talking about reaping, reaping. And a perfect segue into reaping was Psalms 126 and 5. We read it at the conclusion of last week one of our last verses, and it perfectly encapsulates reaping because it says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Hallelujah, hallelujah, reap in joy. And that tears there, sowing in tears, that was almost a subcategory of relationship because when you are in relationship with somebody, you become vulnerable You open yourself up to share your joy, to share your tears, to share all of yourself. And the psalmist so beautifully beautifully expounded on that in Psalms 126. Now, uh, happiness is, of course, the world's substitute for joy. How many of you have heard that, know that, right, understand that? The primary difference here is one is circumstantial or existential, That would be happiness. And the other is internal. It is rooted in identity and has the power to be immune to circumstance. That's the difference between happiness and joy. One places value on the temporal and one places value on the eternal. Hallelujah. Joy and happiness offer two completely different paradigms of life. 
You can pursue happiness as our founding documents so eloquently state. It is your right. You have the right to pursue happiness or you can cultivate joy by sowing to the spirit as his eternal word states. Say that so in tears shall reap in joy. When you are sowing into your relationship with God, praise the Lord, you can expect to reap joy. Now watch this. This is so powerful. David, at one of the darkest times of his life, he had fallen into sin and he pens Psalms 51, this, this prayer of repentance. And in the middle of this psalm, he prays this prayer. He says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Hallelujah. There was, because of sin, a fracture in the relationship with God. Let me tell you something. When you allow sin in your life, when the Holy Ghost invites you into consecrated obedience and you, and you resist it because your flesh doesn't want to do it, do you know what happens? Is you will notice you begin to feel some distance between you and God. You'll come into worship service, and guess what? You don't feel that flow as easily as you used to feel it. You don't feel inspired to lift your voice the way you used to feel inspired. It's not a, it, it, You'll find it more difficult to pray. What happened? There's a fracture in the relationship. There's some distance between you and God because of either disobedience or because of sin or resistance of the flesh. And that's what David was addressing when he was praying this prayer of repentance in Psalms 51, he said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He said, I need to get back to reaping joy. I've got to fix the relationship. Hallelujah. You cannot fix the relationship with God until you reap of the sin. If God has talked to you about it, there will be no walking it back from the throne. God will stand right where he is until you surrender and say, God, I'm ready now. I've been resisting. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to change. I didn't want to obey that. But God, I'm surrendering because I can't live without joy one more day. I can't live without relationship one more moment. God, it is from that relationship connection that my joy flows, and I need that joy. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to go to the book of Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 9. I'm going to read straight through, and then we're going to kind of go back and be, begin to pull some things out of these Scriptures. That's Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. Thank you, Jesus. If you have it, say amen. amen. 
There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. This is such a powerful passage of Scripture. These words are so rich and so important that we understand as a born-again believer. Verse 3, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Praise God. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. This is what we're talking about. So into the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. My Lord, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Praise God. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Hallelujah. If you have the Holy Ghost, you got a whole lot to be thankful about tonight. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So let's look at these verses a little more closely and we're going to start with verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We are, we're talking about reaping. What does sowing to the Spirit reap? And we're going to start right here in verse 1. Sowing to the Spirit reaps a life free of condemnation. Oh, my God. Woo. Hmm. I thought that was a little more powerful than your reaction. But that is powerful. A life free of condemnation. Conversely, the other side of that coin, guilt and shame and a need to self-medicate is what exists when somebody lives in condemnation. Mm. Let me tell you something. Somebody who lives in condemnation is never happy with themselves. Hallelujah. They can be happy. Do you know what happiness is? It is when your flesh is engaged in pleasure. That's what the definition of happiness is. Hallelujah. So they can use things in their environment to stimulate their flesh so they can feel happy, but they have to keep doing it over and over and over because they are not happy with themselves. Why? Because whether they can articulate it or not, whether they're cognizant of it or not, they are living under the banner of condemnation in their life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So 
They do whatever it takes to self-medicate, whatever makes them feel good, whatever makes them feel happy, um, immorality, drugs, money, music, even music, secular music. Happiness is, by definition, the feeling of pleasure. Whatever makes their flesh feel pleasure is what they use to escape that feeling of condemnation that they cannot get rid of without the Holy Ghost. Mm. Two stipulations of freedom are in this verse are to be in Christ. They that are in Christ. This verse is defining for us. We don't just get to walk away, and this is where we get in a lot of trouble, where we just grab a hold of something, and then we want to extrapolate our own meaning and decide what it means to be free, Right? The verse defines it for us. We use scripture to define scripture. Two stipulations of freedom are to be in Christ. Mm. The only way to be in Christ is to be born into Christ. Jesus explains it to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And the the apostles begin to preach it in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. Right? We must be born again. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second, uh oh, you mean there's more than that? Yeah, there's more than that. So what does that what does that tell you right there? This one verse, with one verse, with one verse, we can completely dispel the false doctrine of once saved, always saved. That is not true. It's not in your Bible. There's not any evidence of it. This one verse all by itself tells you you must walk in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. My God. The only way to do this, to live in freedom, is to be born into Christ and walk not... Uh-oh. So there's three things, really, but one of them is in... Two, you can break into two categories... Because these things are conjoined. You've got to walk after the Spirit, but simultaneously walk not after the flesh. We talked a lot about this on Sunday. I can't walk after the Spirit on Sunday and then just give my flesh free reign on Monday. One verse in your Bible completely negates the entire argument that we can be carnal and make it to heaven. God said, when I put my Spirit inside of you, when I wrote my name upon your life, when I shed my blood for you, my expectation was that you were going to walk after the spirit and not after the flesh hallelujah praise god praise god praise god this is the dichotomy of who we are we are dust and water we are flesh and spirit we are temporal and eternal hallelujah freedom to live life by a different set of rules this is something else that we inherit or that we reap rather from sowing to the spirit and we see that in verse 2 for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death I, I now live by a different set of standards and rules mm, rules nobody likes that it's not those kind of rules these are the rules that free you 
These are the rules that deliver you. These are not oppressive rules. These are the rules uh, that do for you what you could not do for yourself. Uh, They free you from the jurisdiction of sin in your flesh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sowing to the Spirit frees you from being forced to serve your sinful nature. Without the Holy Ghost, you are biologically powerless over sin. Mm. That's the magnitude of what was accomplished on the flesh. Sin had power over everybody. Even in the Old Testament, the most righteous of people sinned And then they were not forgiven of their sin, but blood was shed to make atonement for their sin. That sin was not fully remitted until Calvary. Oh, my God, have mercy. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Hallelujah. Even people who judge themselves on the, well, I'm a good person scale. You ever talk to those people? I'm a good person. They judge themselves on the, well, I live a good life. I'm a good person right? They fall grossly short when measured against truth. Mm. It is not possible to have power over your fleshly nature without consistently sowing to the Spirit. Mm. Praise God. Sowing to the Spirit empowers you. We will Never measure up, but we are always reaching up. Mm. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Paul said it like this in Philippians 3 and 13, and I'm going to read the New King James Version. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Even Paul, the most accomplished apostle in Scripture, wrote the lion's share of your New Testament. He said, I do not measure up. I have not apprehended what I'm reaching for, but I continue to reach. Hallelujah. Ah, Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. I want us to look at uh, verse 4 that we read. Verse 4. It said that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. This is where I'm a good person falls short. I can perform the righteous acts of the law, but I cannot be righteous without his spirit. The performance of righteousness is not the becoming of righteousness. If you just perform righteousness, you are self-righteous. But I cannot have the fulfillment of righteousness without the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Oh, my God. 
I can do it, but I cannot be it without him because he is it. Ah. Ah. Sowing to the spirit brings fulfillment of righteousness in our life. Hallelujah. You don't have to look any further than the Pharisees for that example, right? The Pharisees followed the law to the T. And Jesus, they were his least favorite. <laughs> but they performed righteousness. Why were they? Mm, Think about that. Think about that. He resisted against the Pharisees. He didn't want any part with the Pharisees. Ah, Man, you got to think about that. What does that tell you? That tells me that everything and everyone that says, I'm a Christian, I'm holy, I'm righteous. Woo. Mmm. But they have walked away from the truth, the only saving doctrine of Jesus' name, baptism, repentance of sins, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Jesus says, I don't want any part of that. Paul said it this way, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. He said, let condemnation come back on them because they are leading people astray. If they water it down, if they change it even a little bit, the Bible says one jot or one tittle. If one letter changes from what we have preached unto you, let them be accursed. Mm. It's what Jesus was trying to tell Martha huh, when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Huh? It's what he told Philip. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Huh? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Huh? How sayest thou then showest the Father? Are you getting it yet? Jesus is saying, you can't make it huh, except through me. Huh? And without me inside of you, huh, you're not going to make it. God. Mm. Hallelujah. Verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Mm. What is more prevalent in our society right now than has ever been before? Right? Mental illness, anxiety, Depression. Why? Mm -mm. Where is that? What is the root of that? You find it right here. Oh, Vinny, you're, you're making that way too simple. Talk to the author if you got a problem with the conclusion. Because the Bible says... Mm. Let me tell you something. If I'm all wrapped up in fear, if I'm wrapped up in anxiety, if I'm wrapped up in depression, if my mind is in a hundred different places and I can't keep my focus uh, and I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that, guess what? 
I don't have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of the flesh. If I am just constantly minding the things of the flesh, it's because I've been sowing to the flesh instead of sowing to the Spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what will transform society. It's not everything that society says it is. It's revival. It's a relationship with Jesus. We'll do more for societal healing than anything else. So what do I reap as a result of sowing to the Spirit in verse 5? It says that, I, my priorities are going to change. When I sow to the Spirit, I mind the things of the Spirit. What, what's happening there? There's a, a change of priorities in my life. My thoughts will become more kingdom-minded, right? Mm. All of a sudden, outreach is very important. And extracurricular whatever is much less important than it used to be. Why? Because one's temporal and one's eternal. Woo, hallelujah. Hey, I hope you're getting this greater faith because this is where we're headed. So you better get on the bus because we are headed for eternity and we are taking everybody that wants to go with us. My thoughts will become more kingdom-minded. My activities, conversations... Practices and patterns will become more kingdom-oriented. Mm, hallelujah. Verse 6. What do we reap in verse 6? For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace. Sowing to the Spirit will begin to transform my thinking. I'll start seeing possible instead of impossible. I'll start thinking about what that river of life produces instead of what the world produces. What is that? That's life and peace. I start thinking fruitful thoughts. I start feeling fruitful feelings. Sowing to the Spirit will bring my thought patterns. Uh, I'm going to go to verse 7. Forgive me. Let me read that to you. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is the enemy of God. It is the arch right. Man. I want you to think about that. The devil is not the number one adversary here. If you've read your Bible... You know that victory over Satan has already been had. It happened at Calvary. With, hmm. He gave Peter the keys to death, hell, and the grave. The devil has no power or jurisdiction in the life of a saint of God. Hmm. Woo. What is your adversary? It's your flesh. It's enmity. Against God. Ah, woo. It is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. Your flesh can't be righteous. Your flesh can't be obedient. Your flesh 
can't be submitted. Mm. Woo. It is the enemy of God. Hallelujah. Sowing to the Spirit will bring my thought patterns. Start reading about it in verses 5 and 6. Into submission to the Word of God and the leading of His Spirit. All of a sudden, my mind begins to change. My thoughts begin to change. Mm. This is a huge transformation piece in the life of a believer. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What and how you think is what materializes in your life. So when you begin to sow to the Spirit, intentionally and consistently, your thought patterns begin to change. What you meditate on begins to change. Guess what happens next? You begin to change. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. You've got to win the battle right here if this flesh is going to be in subjection. And the only way to do that is to sow to the Spirit and you'll begin to reap the mind of Christ in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So what happens if I'm sowing to the flesh? It's the opposite of that. I am positioned to please God. The performance of good things, even biblical things, key word there is performance, the performance of good things, even biblical things, is not what pleases God. We must become not perform. When I do the right things because the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in me, this is becoming. The right thing becomes your first instinct because there has been a transformation of conscience and character. Ah, you ever get tired of repenting for the same things over and over? Right? God, God angry again. Did it again. Right? Don't talk to my kids about me in traffic. All right? Go to God over and over about the same things. What's happening? There's something in your life where you are not sowing to the Spirit for that transformation to happen. Because when you begin to sow to the Spirit in that area of your life, Things begin to change in here. You start to become. The righteousness of the law begins to be fulfilled. See, this is what I'm saying. It's not a willpower issue. It's a transformation issue. Christ must be formed in me. And when Christ is formed in me, then I become. I don't perform. And now, you know what? Instead of anger, grace and mercy come out. Mm. Instead of being irrational, wisdom comes out. What are you doing? You are reaping what you have sowed to the Spirit. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And by doing that, you are in a position to please God. Verse 9. Last verse here. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Sowing to the Spirit will give you a new identity and a new confidence in belonging. When that transformation begins to happen in your life, and it starts, and we know, it, by, the, by being baptized, being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, right? But have you ever, have you ever uh, gotten a new group of friends? Nobody has ever. All right. Our family did just very recently. <laughs> Have you ever kind of come into a new circle of people in your life, right? And you're supposed to be there, but you don't necessarily feel like you're part of them yet. Mm. What's happening? There's a transformation period. That has to take place. And so it is in the body of Christ. See, you can be born into the family, but through the process of transformation, this is what verse 9 is talking about, you'll begin to feel the confidence of belonging. You will know who you belong to. You will know what family you are a part of. Oh, let me tell you something. And there is a confidence that comes when you know who you are, when you know whose you are, when you know that you're in the right place with the right people doing the right things, and all of that you reap from sowing to the Spirit. It will transform your life. I've been in church long enough to see people resist change. You know what happens when the Holy Ghost alerts you to change or the Word of God pricks your heart about something or God whispers to you and you resist change? You know what happens? You stop feeling like you belong. It's not very long before all of a sudden you start feeling out of place. Uh, well, I'm not really sure, you know, if that's for me, if this is for me. Not sure if the church loves me. Not sure the pastor didn't talk to me Sunday. He must hate me. Y'all laughing. Right? What's happening? You're losing your sense of belonging. And guess what? It's not the church's fault. It's not pastor's fault. It's not God's fault. Somewhere in that transformation process, you said, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to sow that, and I don't want to reap that, because I want to keep this. Mm. And when that happens, you begin to lose that sense of belonging, that sense of confidence that comes with your born-again identity. Amen? Is this all making sense? Amen. Praise God. 
So we are talking about reaping, what we are reaping when we sow to the Spirit. We are reaping joy. This is just kind of the paraphrase list that I extracted from these verses. Joy, freedom from the authority of sin in our life. From the authority of sin. You can say no to sin in your life now. Sin does not have the final say or the jurisdiction to force you any longer. Mm. You reap righteousness in him. You no longer wrestle with that thought pattern of I'm not worthy because you understand. Of course not. None of us are worthy. He is worthy. It is his righteousness being formed in me that allows me to come boldly before the throne of grace, call on his name, and know that he will hear me. It's not my righteousness. My righteousness is of filthy rags, the Bible says. Hallelujah. You reap. Ah, I'm using modern day vernacular because we need to understand what this really means. When you are sowing to the Spirit, you reap healthy habits and healthy thinking. That's life and peace. Life and peace. Praise God. You reap closeness to God. Mm. I don't ever want to be more than an arm's length away. I don't want to be more than a whisper away to immediately begin to step into his presence. I don't want to have to fight through a bunch of junk in my life because I've been sowing to the flesh. I'd rather sow to the Spirit and just say Jesus and immediately I feel His presence come on me. That's reaping when you are sowing to the Spirit in your life. I love that last verse. It talks about a dwelling pleasing Him. That's sowing to the Spirit creates a dwelling place for the Spirit in your life. And that's what I'm talking about. You all know our oldest daughter. She just, she just left home. She abandoned us. My God. Million dollars later and she's gone. And still asks for money. And it used to be, if I wanted to talk to her, all I had to do was walk down the hall. But now she doesn't live there anymore, Dwight. Brother Dwight, forgive me. And if I want to be in her presence, I've got to travel a long way. Well, I just don't feel God anymore, Brother TJ. I can't remember the last time I heard the Lord speak to me. Where have you been sowing? Because when you sow to the Spirit, you become a dwelling place. And you don't have to... Mm, 
He's right there. He's as close as the mention of his name. Let me tell you something. My most prized possession in this life is closeness to God. I want him to be close to me. I want my life to be a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. There is no earthly pleasure. There is no temporal pleasure that outweighs, outmeasures, or outvalues closeness to Jesus Christ. Amen. Reaping what you sow, or the law of harvest, is one of the most powerful concepts of life that we need to embrace. And this is why. Intentionally, how many of you right now want something in your life to change? You don't have to raise your hand to please me, but if you, if you have something in your life you want to change, or you just want your life to change, okay, then I'm talking to you. Because this is how you do it. In, it's the law of harvest. It'll work for you or against you. Intentionally sowing the right things consistently is how you change your life. Woo. We make it complicated, but it's not complicated. Intentionally sowing the right things is how you change your life. Brother Dwight took us up his hill on foot. And he showed us his gardens. And in that garden, I'm trying to remember the name. Oh, eggplant. You had a bunch of eggplant. Why'd you have eggplant? No, that's not why. Why is there eggplant in your garden? Because you planted eggplant. That's not complicated. If you want a life of promise, purpose, life, peace, and joy, you've got to plant it. You've got to sow the right seed if you want to live the right life. You want the circumstances to change, start planting the right stuff. Sow to the spirit and not the flesh. Hallelujah. The hidden power of the law of harvest is in the seed. What stops most people from enjoying the exponential return that they could enjoy from sowing to the Spirit is this. It's hard to sow. It's difficult to sow. Here are the obstacles. Our hearts may be hard. So we have to plow. Takes a lot of extra effort. Let me tell you something. When you first begin sowing, 
You might have to do a lot of fasting, a lot of fervent praying, right, to, to get a breakthrough, to feel God. Why? Heart has been hardened by sin. It's fallow ground. And what are you doing? You're plowing. Every prayer, every fast day, every devotion, where you're digging up that soil, you're breaking up the ground. Our heart may be cluttered. I bet the first time you went up there and put that garden in, it was not clear. Our heart may be cluttered. Here's another, this is a big one, right, of why people stop sowing to the Spirit. Our heart is cluttered, which requires us clearing the ground for sowing. So before you ever even get started, right, you want to know why so many times people go in that tank and walk out that door and you don't see them again? Because they go home and there's not a harvest 30 minutes later. And what they discover is everything they left in their life is still there. And they are the ones that have to go in and clear it out to make space for something new to be produced. It's an obstacle of sowing. Your heart may be affection towards people and things and pleasures of this world that are displeasing to God. And you say, man, I love what I feel. I, I'm so excited. I got the Holy Ghost. I got baptized. My whole world is going to change. And then you get home and you're like, what's all this stuff doing here? I forgot that I like cigarettes and alcohol and cussing and bad movies. I forgot how much I enjoyed sin. Nothing's going to grow here if I don't clear it out and make room for the sowing to happen. Hallelujah. We've got to clear the ground. Removal of time constraints. Oh, that's a big one. Relationship drains. Worldly activities. Here's a big one. I, I read through the works of the flesh today several times. And I said, God, what is the one? If I can highlight one tonight that really jumps out and is a major obstacle, not only in the life of, uh, of the people of greater faith or of this region, but just in general. And you know what came out? It's idolatry. Well, what is, what is idolatry? Whatever gets in the way of God being first in your life is idolatry. If it takes precedent over God, it's an idol in your life. Mm. And it's an obstacle to sowing. So our hearts may be hard, our hearts may be cluttered. Whew. Hallelujah. These are challenges of sowing. But here are the rewards. This is why it's worth it. The rewards of reaping. Here's the hidden power of the seed. Any effort you spend plowing, 
sowing and watering, the seed multiplies for you. The seed will reward you back by giving you 30, 60, or 100-fold of what you plant. It may be a lot of upfront work. But your return is guaranteed to be greater than your investment. Hallelujah. The seed will produce and it will multiply. The seed will always give back to you a multiplied return on what you've invested. This is why it's so important to sow the right seed. The right seed. Because guess what bad seed does? It does the same thing. It gives you back more than what you invested. So the selection of seed is so important for us to take our time and say, God, what's this going to produce in my life? Ready? We'll get all in your kitchen now. What's this going to produce in my marriage? What's this going to produce in my children? You hearing me, parents? What's this going to produce in my kids? What's this going to produce in their future? Is this going to enhance their relationship with God later? Or, is, or am I putting a rival in their life? Is this going to be a hindrance for them? Is this investment of my time going to bring joy into my marriage, peace into my marriage? Or is this going to be a wedge between me and God, and then I'm going to be carnal when I'm talking to my wife, and now all of a sudden we got issues? Mm. Sowing affects everything in your life. In the right environment of growth, the yield is always greater than the investment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If I sow to the flesh, I'm almost finished. If I sow to the flesh, I'm going to, I stopped asking for permission. I'm just, I'm almost finished. If I sow to the flesh, I'm going to reap the corruption of the flesh. Galatians 5, beginning with verse 17, I'll read these quickly. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. That's enmity, right? And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other. So that ye cannot do the things that you would. You cannot sow to the spirit and the flesh and be able to do the right thing. You can't. You won't. It will not happen. You ever felt like you're crazy? Like, I'll keep trying to do the right thing. You're not crazy. You're at war. You're at war. There's a battle being waged inside of you. You're not crazy. Mm. Let me tell you what will make you crazy. Not picking a side. That's what makes you crazy. That's what makes you tormented. That's what causes you to lose your peace when you can't decide where you're going to sow. Mm. 
that'll make you crazy because you're reaping two different harvests in your life. And these harvests are at war with one another. Let me tell you something. God did not design you or intend for you to live in a state of perpetual chaos. At some point in your journey with God, the chaos should be receding and life and peace should be growing in abundance in your life. If it's been 20 years and you're still living in chaos, uh, it's time to check what you've been sowing in the ground. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Straddling the fence makes you frustrated because you keep reaping two different kinds of consequences. That's why purity, remember we talked about purity in that first week. Purity is the absence of corruption, contaminants. It ensures the desired result. When the Holy Ghost leads you into purity and you begin to sow to the Spirit mm, with purity, do you know what you're doing? You're eradicating that bad seed in your life. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. What the flesh produces does not have jurisdiction in your life if you are led of the Spirit. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. And I know most of us are like, we don't even know what these words mean. But I would just greatly encourage you to go and look at each one of these words. You're going to be surprised to find out how many of these might apply. And you thought maybe they didn't apply just because you didn't understand what that word meant. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Everybody catch that last one? Shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh. oh, hallelujah. I want you to stand with me. That's what you reap when you sow to the flesh. But you will reap other things when you sow to the Spirit. And we've talked about many of those already. But in addition to the things that we've already mentioned, you will also reap the fruit of of the Spirit. And this is where life and peace abound in our life. When the fruit of the Spirit begins to grow in your life, in your heart, in your mind, in your environment, in your family, love, joy, peace, gentleness, huh, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, long-suffering. These are the fruits of the Spirit. And let me tell you something. These are what make a life worth living. The fruit of the Spirit. It's not the circumstances of your environment, but when you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, it doesn't matter where you are, where God places you, or what your circumstances are, you will have life and peace. And this is available to each and every one of us simply by sowing to the Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me tonight?
Jesus, we love you. Thanks for joining with us today. Be sure to check us out online at greaterfaith.church or find us on Facebook by searching My Greater Faith. There you can watch this sermon and others, as well as live stream all available services. If you like what you heard today, be sure to follow our podcast for new sermons and Bible studies as they become available. Greater Faith. Everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And anything's possible.